Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on a beautiful, and I do mean beautiful, Friday morning here in Northeast Texas. We call it the Piney Woods of Northeast Texas, and uh, we're in the studio here at Crossway Church, and uh, if you live anywhere in this area, I encourage you to come out and be with us if you can on Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Uh, every Friday morning, we're in, uh, studying uh, the book of 1 Timothy presently. We're in chapter 2. And so uh, if you're watching with us live or if you're watching with us a week from now, whenever it is, go ahead and get your Bibles out. And, and we're going to go through some uh, the scriptures today. And I just pray that the Lord would give us the hearing of faith so that he would be able to operate in the word that he gives us today because everything that he does, he does through the hearing of faith. And so that faith has to come by hearing the word and that word has to be truth and in the proper context. And so I'm just thankful to be learning the word today and, and, and having you with us uh, to be able to go through the scriptures together. Uh, don't forget that our YouTube channel is Curtis Hutchinson 316 and the website is thecrosswaychurch.com. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded there for your later viewing. And I just encourage you to go there if you really want to learn the word uh, as it is truth and righteousness and you will be blessed, I guarantee it. Uh, today, again, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I will begin reading in verse 5, although where we're going to start, really start today, is verse 7. Uh, we went through verse 6 last Friday, uh, but we want to we start reading in verse 5 this morning. And of course, before we do, let's ask the Lord to give us what we need today because we can't just supply it to ourselves. We can't just make anything happen, but he's given us his word. He's given us his son. He's given us his spirit. And if we seek him and desire to have his truth in our hearts, he will give us that daily bread. So let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Lord, that we have, that is such a great opportunity to know you, to know your son, Jesus Christ, to, to have your spirit, to have the words of truth before us. Lord, we pray that you would minister to us that spiritual gift that we need today, that which may be lacking in our faith. God, we just pray for that daily bread that only you can give. We desire to learn of you, to learn of your way, and Lord, that you would fill us with more knowledge of who you are today, and we just ask you to do this for all who will, uh, Lord, hear this teaching today, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Paul, he, he's continuing here to, and of course, he's writing to Timothy and the church in Ephesus and to us. We need never forget that. This is not just a historical book written to Timothy and those with him there in Ephesus at the time, but this is the word of God that would be distributed throughout the world and thank the Lord even to us today. We have it. And he says this in verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. And we talked a little bit about that last week and just to mention this as we move on, there is only one man that was sent to be the mediator between Almighty God and all men. It's not the Pope. It's not, it's not a preacher. There is one mediator, one man, 
and his name is Jesus Christ, that scripture has brought a lot of people out of false doctrine, a lot of people who claim to be Catholic and all that stuff. They, when they begin to believe that the word of God is the word of God, and they accepted Christ as their Savior, their eyes were opened. And they realized that they've been trusting in men instead of God. But the only way to trust in the one true God is through the one he sent. And that's his son, Jesus Christ. And he tells us to confirm who this man, Jesus Christ, is in verse 6. The one who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And, he's, and that's exactly what Paul was doing really in all his letters. Was, was giving the testimony of Jesus. Even when he gave instruction and, and the way the church should function, that's really giving the testimony of Jesus for when we learn how to function in the proper order, we're expressing through our lives the testimony of Jesus. So that's really what it's all about. The testimony of Christ, the one who gave himself for us as a ransom for all of us. And, and, and I'll say this before we dig into where we're going to be today. Paul, the apostle, never, he never moved away from the, the, the mindset of Calvary. He never moved away from the cross, even when he was given, giving instructions to the church as how they should operate in the gifts, with the gifts, and, 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 and as we'll see later in 1 Timothy, the offices of ministers and deacons and all that. He was given. All these things so the church could function in a way that we could be a testimony uh, unto God, a witness unto God, and a testimony to all men to function in order as ambassadors for Christ, as representatives of Christ, as those who know how to live for God and are able to express Him. And, and, and that's why uh, that Paul was called the way he was. And we'll see this in verse 7, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, the Apostle Paul. And he says here in verse 7, Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity, which is truth. Uh, verity here means truth. When Jesus would say, verily, verily, I say unto you, that means he was talking about this is the truth. This, this is what you can depend on. This, these words that I speak to you, Jesus said, are spirit and they're life. And, and life only comes from us experiencing through an acceptance in our hearts of the truth. And we need to always remember that. But let's talk about the Apostle Paul here for a second. Uh, we don't worship Paul because he was just an old sinner saved by grace just like the rest of us. But Paul had a calling on his life that was equivalent to the prophets, to all the other apostles. And what I mean by that is, and we need never forget this, that the apostles of Christ, the ones he went and found while he was on this earth, the ones he called, the ones he chose to walk with him and to experience his ministry, to watch him function as the perfect man, the God man, the, the man who would be led by the Spirit of God completely, the perfect man, he called them, and they are the only ones who have been able to 
write down and, and, and what they write be called scripture. And I've said this recently and I need to keep saying it because we have so many people in the church today that think so many things have ended when the disciples' lives, the apostles' lives ended. There's only one thing that has ended and that is the authority to write scripture. Everything else goes on as it did under the new covenant that we read about in the book of Acts. All of that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, I'm not seeing it. Well, you're not seeing it. <clears throat> That's your issue. But it's still here today. There's no scriptures that remove anything other than the authority to write scripture. And if men knew that, believed that, then you wouldn't even have uh, cults and false religions such as Mormonism who accepted a man who claimed he heard from God and wrote things that were contrary to God and called it scripture and people jumped on the bandwagon because they didn't know God's word had already said don't add to it don't add to what I've said and don't take away from it for it's a dangerous it's a fatal thing to take away from the word of God for the for the promise is that your name will be blotted out. And uh, to add to God's word means that, that the plagues of the book will be added to your life. And I believe that's a reason there's a lot of sickness in the world today. Because, not just because sin in and of itself, although that is a sin, but to, to add to God's word to make something up, to assume something that's not written will cause you great harm. And I was reading a book the other day concerning what I'm talking about right now, and it, it, was, it, it looks like it's going to be a great book confirming true justification and the work of Christ at Calvary. But the guy makes a, a reference about uh, when it comes to the Apostle Paul didn't quite have it all together, that he was still hung up in Jewish customs and things. So when it, And he makes this comment. He says, we, we always need to reason when, between uh, the justification message and the things that Paul was still hung up with in the Jewish uh, customs and and this guy he just was missing the boat because let me say it again Paul wasn't still hung up in Jewish customs Paul was the one God called to the Gentiles Here, let's read it again whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth Paul had it right. I didn't say Paul was a perfect man. I didn't say Paul was without sin. But you can't find in scriptures where Paul was still hung up under the law. He preached against it. He was stoned. He was uh, tortured, persecuted because he would not go back and agree with those who were under the law. So to make a comment like that, now I, I understand this book was written 80, it was written in 1937, so 83 years ago. And uh, he had justification, right? But when you start thinking Paul didn't understand it, and you understand more today of what, than what Paul understood, you need to understand God hadn't given you scripture to write. He gave it to Paul. And you just need to go with what God gave Paul because Paul, my dear Gentile friends, Paul was called to teach us. It's God teaching us through Paul. 
So we don't need to, as we heard of a church down the road in Texarkana, some uh, about three years ago, a preacher said uh, he didn't need all of Romans in his Bible because we know more today than what the Apostle Paul knew then, so they just ripped out part of Romans. Well, you're ripping out the Word of God. You're altering the Word of God. And whether you understand it or not, uh, if you don't, listen, if you, if you disagree with the Apostle Paul, you're disagreeing with God when it comes to Scripture. And so that's just the way it is. Uh, he didn't miss the boat. We might miss the boat, but he didn't miss the boat. And he says again, I am ordained. And of course, we know the word ordained means he's called, he's set in place by God. And he says to be a preacher. A preacher. That means one who proclaims, and, and, and he's talking about here the truth that's in Christ, because he mentions that. And he's an apostle. He, he's, a, he's, he's one who's called, he's sent with this message. He's the very one God gave the revelation of the cross to. Without what the Lord gave the Apostle Paul, the church would absolutely in no way know how to live in victory. Without Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, the church would not be able to live in victory because we're, we're our flesh and the lust of our flesh, this body we live in, just at, at times, uh, without the truth of the cross for daily living, we're going to think we can work it out. And we're going to find ourselves in, in just a devastating place because we can't just work it out. The only thing you and I are called to work out is what God is working in. And if we don't know what God is working in us and how he works in us and how he works through us, then we won't know what it is we're to work out. We can quote that scripture. Well, brother, you're called to work out your own, what is it? You're called to work out your own what? Salvation. Well, where does that point you? To the cross and the work there performed. Uh, unless you think you saved yourself, then you're trying to work that. No. If we don't know what God gave the Apostle Paul in Romans 6, 7, and 8, we won't know how to live for God. And guess what, folks? If you don't know how, then you just won't be doing it even when you think you are. And you'll find out that's, that's, a, that's the, the, it, when the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard, when you look that word transgressor up, it means unfaithful. The way of the unfaithful. And as long as you don't know to leave your faith in the cross of Christ, His work for you done there alone, then you're going to be unfaithful. And that way is hard. We use that scripture for the lost. But that can be for the saved who don't know how to live saved and are living as though they're back under law and laws. That's why the Bible says... Uh, in Ephesians 5.15, I believe it is, that we are uh, not to live as fools. Well, why do I need to be told that? Because there's a possibility I can live as a fool. Well, what, who is a fool and what does a fool do? Psalms 53.1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. Well, I'm told not to live as though I'm a fool. If I don't know the way of the cross for daily living, guaranteed, I'm going to live as though I'm a fool. I may not be out drunk acting what we call a fool, but remember what God calls a fool is the man who in his heart says there is no God. But you got to remember, we're told in the New Testament writings, Paul writing to this same church he's writing to here again, the book of Ephesians later, says don't live as fools. 
Well, I need to be told that apparently because if I'm not told that, hey, wake up. Am I living like, am I, I'm not a fool, but am I living as though I'm a fool? As though there is no God and there is no work that took place at Calvary and that really doesn't mean anything for me today. Am I living as that? And I can, instead of living circumspect and walking in the wisdom of God and redeeming the times, I can be walking in a way where redemption hasn't got anything to do with the way I'm living. I just say, yeah, I'm saved. I got saved back in 1943. You know, and that's all I got going. Thank God you're saved. But are you walking in that salvation? Are you working out that salvation? And Because that's the only salvation God's working in your heart. So he says, I speak the truth in Christ. Why did he say that? Because that's the only place the truth is found. In Christ. You know, well, brother, the truth's found in the Bible. Well, the Bible's all about Jesus. He said, John 5, 39, the truth, the scriptures are about him. And he says, and I lie not. I'm not lying to you. Why did Paul have to say that? Because people are always behind the scenes. I was telling Keith and Debbie who are here with us this weekend, I, there's some, every service somebody writes me a horrible email talking ugly about the, about what we preach, what we wear, how they sing, blah, blah, blah. They, they, they just negative. That's all they are. They're just a hindrance. They're a, they're a thorn in the flesh. And uh, anyway, if you're listening today, I, your your emails go to a spam. I have to intentionally go look at them because I don't get them, and I thank God. But there will always be people out there who are not after the truth. They're just after something to pick on. And we kind of laugh at it. Uh, we feel sorry for the folks. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, Paul, he said, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. Uh, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And faith and truth go hand in hand and can never be separated. If it's, listen, if it's not the truth of God's word, it's not faith. The Holy Spirit doesn't just write the word in our hearts. He writes the truth that he's able to lead us in, guide us in, in our hearts. Think about that. He doesn't just come and, oh, you got the whole Bible written in your heart. No, you don't. He writes in our hearts the truth of God's word he's able to guide us in. And we need to remember that. We're true, we're, without truth, there can be no faith. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If it's out of context, that ain't faith that comes. Now, I'm going to help you this morning. Jesus is truth. And it's only the context of the gospel that makes him your experience of truth. It's only the context of the gospel. No, no, nothing else makes Jesus the experiential liberating truth to us outside our faith in the cross. The truth and the gospel are equal. They're the same. It's the gospel truth. It's the word of the truth of the gospel, Colossians 1 and 5. It's the word of the truth of the gospel. Those three things can't be separated because all fruit of faith is righteousness. And righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. And all of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. So all of God's words have to be seen through the gospel. You can't just quote God's word and expect faith to come. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as it is truth in its righteous context. And ah, you don't have to know all that. 
You might not have to know all this, and you might not be able to tell all this, but that doesn't remove the fact that it is true. The whole you, We cannot be led by the Spirit in facts. We cannot be led by the Spirit according to the Word of God that's out of context. He only guides us in the truth of God's Word, which that means it will always be in the through our faith in the person and the work of Christ at Calvary, or it's God's Word, something else we're trying to do with it instead of what He is able to do with it as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But it is not, and I've said this, but I don't want to miss anything I put in my notes, it is not just God's Word, the Holy Spirit's able to write in our hearts but and lead us in, it's the truth of God's Word. And because we know that, it must be, as I've said, tied to Jesus. What have you learned about Jesus today? What have you learned about him? If you just learned another Bible verse, I'll ask you this. How does that Bible verse relate to Christ, the Son of God, and Christ, the Son of God, as the Lamb of God, and what he did at Calvary? How does that Bible verse relate to him? It does not just relate to you unless you see it in the light of him and his work. That is just really using God's word for witchcraft, trying to motivate people with the word of God. But if it's going to be truth, it's got to be tied to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Everybody all right this morning? Mm -hmm. Praise God. Gladys, you all right back there? <laughs> so let's, let's don't leave this too fast before we make these comments. Paul <coughs> was an apostle on the same level as those who received the word in the Old Covenant. Really, I say the same level when I speak of authority, but a greater light was given to Paul because the men of old prophesied of one to come they were reaching for. Paul the apostle spoke of the one who had come and given his life, took the power of death away from the devil, has told us, given us the knowledge that he's coming back for us. It's not any knowledge Jesus didn't tell us. He told us he was coming back. But he, Paul the apostle is the one who was sent to you if you're a Gentile and unto me a Gentile. People who were outside the Abrahamic lineage. So he had the authority to write scripture. Peter even mentioned that when the things he, he now, now think about this, and I didn't put the scripture down, but it would be easy to find if you have time that Peter spoke that the the epistles, all the epistles that the apostle Paul wrote. What does that tell you right there? Paul Peter knew what Paul wrote. What do you think Peter thought about what Paul wrote about him to the church in Galatia? About how he had to rebuke him face to face. He says all the epistles of Paul, some of which of the things he wrote are hard to understand. He says that some take and twist, he calls it resting, means W-R-E-S, twisting for their own destruction. He says as they do the other scriptures. Peter related what Paul the apostle wrote as scripture from the Lord. And I pray that if you're listening to anybody who thinks that Paul was confused or Paul didn't get it right, and they're only saying that because they want you to follow them down a wrong path, whether they realize it or not. We can't detour from what God gave Paul. God gave Paul to give us what we have today, 
the, the greater knowledge of Christ and what he accomplished for us. Think about this. If all you do is read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels, and you see the way he lived, but you never read what God gave Paul for us Gentiles, you will never know how to live the way Jesus lived. And I'm not telling you this morning to stop reading the stories. Let me just go ahead and say it. Read the stories over and over and over of Jesus and the way he lived. Because hear me, the way he lived his life and what's that phrase we say around here? I read it some three or four years ago somewhere. The life he lived qualified him for the death he died. And the death he died qualifies us for the life he lived. So we need to read the Gospels. But if you just read the Gospels and get encouraged about the way Jesus lived, and you don't read what Paul wrote, you will never come into the reality of an experience to the degree you could if you read what God gave Paul to give you. Never take away what God gave Paul to be scriptures for you. Amen, Brother Curtis. I thank God I can read the Gospels and see a, a loving, powerful Savior that showed us our Heavenly Father that sent Him to, to carry out a humble and obedient life all for us, even unto death on the cross, all for us to be buried and raised from the dead, all for us who is sitting at His right hand right now, all for us making intercession, all for us. He did that so we could look at Him. He told Thomas, he said, or who was it he told uh, uh, it, Philip? Was, who was he told, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? When he said, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I heard a Pentecostal guy, and I'm Pentecostal, but I'm talking about one of them that kind of out there under the legal, the works mentality, saying that gee, this very thing the other day on Facebook, I clicked on something that I rarely ever do because most folk ain't saying nothing worth hearing. And uh, he, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, because... I am the Father. See, he took it a little bit too far. Jesus is not the Father, and the Father is not the Son, and the Holy Ghost ain't Jesus, and Jesus ain't the Holy Ghost. And they, they mess all that up. Mm -hmm. And they, they have to twist scriptures to mess that up. And so, anyway, Paul the Apostle has the authority to speak into your life given by God. Yeah. I, that's worth saying again. Paul the Apostle has the authority. Even though he's dead and gone, he wrote what God gave him to be able to, God, so God could speak into your life. We need never forget that. And I believe Paul says this right here in this letter, even more so because what he's about to get into. Because he's about to get into some stuff that showed up makes some folk mad today. Especially today in this liberal world and liberal church we live in. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And I did say liberal church. We got li well, Some folk going to get mad about this, but I ain't here to make, make you happy. And uh, I'm here to give you the gospel. Mm -hmm. That ought to make you happy. Mm -hmm. But listen, you got a lot of folk in the church today running around and conservative, politically conservative. But they about as liberal as it comes in the spirit. They liberal. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, they're conservative. This won't this guy elected and we're for this. And thank God. Thank God for that. But when it comes to the things of God, the way they live their lives, the way they function, as you got people today that are Christians that are more faithful to a political party than they are Jesus. Man, they're all psyched up. You don't see that from them on social media. They're not ashamed to get out there and tell everything they believe. But they they ashamed of the gospel. Don't try to tell. Don't call me. Don't email me. I'm just going to delete it. I'm going to delete it. You're not ashamed of all that stuff. But when it comes to spiritual things, you liberal as they come. Liberal. Well, this ought to go and that ought to go. and It ought to just be whatever whatever in the church. Now, it ought not be that in our country, but in the church, you know, y'all just ought to be, let everything go. No, we got the Bible. And I, I'm saying it again. I believe Paul's reminding Timothy and the people of Ephesus before he gets into this thing about the women. <laughs> I'm an apostle. <laughs> he doesn't say it with pride. Because there ain't no pride in true true ministry, and he but but there is a place where we have to remind the people. Paul had to remind the people. God sent me. I'm writing this letter to you under the authority and the influence of God, the Holy Spirit, and what I'm giving you is from Him. Mm-hmm. And that's I believe that's why He said all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, He just brings us in. This one that came to die for you, that gave himself a ransom for all. This one who's the only one, who's a mediator between God and men. He's the one that's called me and ordained me as an apostle. And I'm speaking the truth in him, and I'm not lying. And I am a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth, a reminder. And then he goes into this, what is a controversy for a lot of the church today, but the reason it is is because we've done got so liberal. Uh, what I'm calling spiritually liberal today is people who will take the word and try to, to bend it and shape it into where they are today. The word's the word of God. And I do understand that there were customs then. There's customs now. Things went on then that don't go on now. But let me tell you this morning, folks, if you'll just let the word of God stay the word of God, you'll be blessed. When you try to bend it and shape it into the way you feel the way things ought to be today, you're not going to be blessed in the eyes of God. When when we twist God's Word, we must remember we're trying to put a twist on God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If we try to twist the word, then what we're calling faith is twisted and it's not and, and it's not of God. The word of God remains to be the word of God. I believe again, <clears throat> this is why Paul reminds us he's sent by God, gifted by God, called by God to be what he's doing, what he is and what he's doing, and to give us what he's giving us. Mm-hmm. So he says in verse 8, I will therefore that men pray. Everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Think about that. So when he says this, and I caught this, I will therefore, and when you see the word therefore, you've got to look back. Because when you see the word therefore, he's referring to something he just said. Mm-hmm. So I, I will therefore... <clears throat> 
that men pray everywhere. You look back, he started this, this portion of this letter out with what verse 1 said. Look at it. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So he still got in his mind and what God is trying to do through him at this point is to, to, to remind us we should be praying. We should be praying. And I will therefore that men pray everywhere. That means men everywhere pray and men pray everywhere they go. <laughs> that doesn't mean just one of those. It means men everywhere pray and men everywhere you go pray. And the confirmation of that is that we're to pray without ceasing. Our lives are to be lives of prayer. Lives of supplication, petitions, intercedings. Our lives, when you are growing in your relationship with Christ, you will guaranteed find yourself in more and more communion with Him, where at times you will say, and I've done it over the last couple of years, I, it seems like all I do is walk around praying. And most 90% of that is praising God in my prayer. Because prayer is not always just God I need and God they need. Prayer is a way of worship. God, I thank you today. I, and you just, you, that is happening in your life if you're growing. If that's not happening, that's a very good sign that you're not growing. Because the more you know Him, the more you will love Him. The more you love Him, the more you will trust Him and praise Him. And the less you will care about what everybody else thinks mm -hmm. if you are growing. I didn't say more faithful to be in the church, reading more Bible chapters. I said if you are growing, hallelujah. So he says, therefore, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Lifting up holy hands. Men are to be seen with lifted holy hands praying. Yes, that is correct. It's in your Bible. This Don't take this and try to, well, that really means it's a matter of the heart. I agree, but if the heart's right, it'll obey God's word. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's like in a worship service, in the congregational setting, for somebody to stand there like this during praise and worship, well, you know, that's their prerogative. But how's that happened to me? How's, how's this happened to me? When I came to praise God and, and I look over and see four or five people standing over there like this, you got, got to look on their face like, when is this going to be over? How, how's that helping me? And if they're not concerned about edifying me and helping me, there's something wrong with that. They don't know God. Or if they might say, well, I did, well, you must have forgot God. Well, no. We've just got burdens. We've got, well, we've all got problems. We've all got, all got issues. That's one of the reasons we get together so we can be edified in the congregation by each other's presence, by praising and worshiping God corporately, hearing the Word of God, and, and growing together in one mind, one spirit, speaking the same things, running this race. That's, don't come in church like this, men. This here ain't for your wife. This here's for you. Notice, he says this to men, and then he's going to revert to women. But this right here is for you, men. <laughs> hey, if, let me tell you something. I don't know. There's very little encouragement in, in the house of God, I believe, that could be greater than men praising God. Mm -hmm. 
Men who were in authority over the family, praising God. Kids, look at daddy, praising God. Well, you ain't got to do all that. Well, they see you not doing all that. And they're going to end up not doing all that. And what else are they seeing you not do? What else are your kids watching you all excited and motivated about, but not the things of God? Come on now. Stick with the Word. I guarantee it. If you put that Bible down on that coffee table and say from this day forward, whatever that says, we're going to be found through faith in the blood of Jesus functioning in. That's all we're going to function in. Your life is going to just thrust toward a place of excellence like you've never known before. Never, ever have you known it. It's more than a church service, more than a duty, more than a bringing an envelope with money in it, putting it in a basket. You're going to begin to have something with God you never had before once you settle that the Word of God says what it means and means what it says, and we don't need to twist it. We just need to humble ourselves and obey. Hallelujah. Amen. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, <clears throat> lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Mm -hmm. Without wrath, without this violent passion, without this, you know, you know, without doubting, without without anger, without it just in in praising God. Letting everything else. Some people can't praise God and worship God. They can't lift their hands uh, because they're so bound in fear, so bound in what people are going to think, so bound by bondages that, that, that are going on in their lives. Well, let me tell you something. Again, is your faith in all that or is it in the Word of God? I've heard good ministers that I, I do listen to say that your faith can be in your mess. You ever met those people? You try to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, they can be delivered, freed from their sins, and they just, they just, well, they took, they subbound, they don't want to get out of their mess. They like it. That's like a, that's like a woman who's got a husband that beats her. She's deceived telling you that he loves her, and that's the way he shows it. My friend, that ain't love. I'm not getting into that. Verse 9. In like manner also that women. Now see, he, so he is here talking about men. This is for you. But now women, here comes for you. This is not, this, listen, this is not controversial for me what we're about to read here. It's just the Bible straight up. What was then is still today. And people who don't like it, the women who don't like it, I, I, can't, I, I hate it for them. I hate it for them, but this is the way it is. There is an order. God, Christ, husband, wives, the children. It's that order. And listen, I said it some months ago. You show me a woman that, that can't be pastored, and I'll show you that same woman who's not in order at home either. They run in their husbands. They run in their, they, oh, they run in it. Oh, they in charge. And they come to church and try to run the church. And the preacher said, what you trying to do? Mm -hmm. So they can't go to that church. They got to go find them a preacher they can control because they're controlling their husband at home. That's out of order, my friend. Mm -hmm. yes. I don't care how spiritual or non-spiritual your husband is. He's still your head. You married him. Woman, I'm being nice. <laughs> Because we're all one. Men get in trouble with God when we don't treat our wives as equal co-heirs of His grace. Amen. And Ephesians says that we are to be subject one to another. Nevertheless, 
There's an order. There is an order. And if we get out of that order, I'm just trying to help you. Only way I can help you sharing the word. I'm trying to help you. You get out of that order, you're not going to find God functioning in that disarray, that out of order, that whatever, that mess, that chaos. You're not going to find God functioning in that. If you disagree, and I know we live in a world today with all these Feminine, I don't even know the terminology that women have to rule me. The only place women are equal with men is in Christ. Amen. That's it. But even in Christ, because of what we'll here read, we see that there is no better. It's not about being better, but it is about an order. There's an order in the Godhead. And I believe the reason that God shows us in his word and the Godhead, the order in the Godhead, there is an equal, an, an, an equal, uh, what, what's the word? In the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're equal, they're one. They're one in unity. They're equal and perfect in unity. But when you go this way, there is an order there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I don't say a word lest I hear my Father say it. I don't do anything unless I see my Father doing it. And then Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he's not going to speak of his own authority. He's only going to speak that which he hears of me. There is an order there. There is a perfect unity, but a perfect subordination there. Doesn't mean one's better than the other, one's more powerful than the other, because our God is one God, one Lord. There's a perfect unity, but there is a subordination pictured for us in the Bible, and he shows us that because he wants us to function in the order among ourselves. Because there's unity in order. There's peace in order. There is not unity, even though when we think there is, when, there, when it's not biblical order. And so there's a lot to be said about that. But he says here in verse 9, in like manner, and we're not going to teach on this subject here for weeks, I promise you that. We're going to run through this. You're going to get it or you're not going to get it. And if you want more, you've got to go get it on yourself. But when you do run out there to get more, don't go to the bookstore and buy books. Just let them alone. This right here is what you need. Stick with this because you'll find that most books, most commentary writers will have a lot to say about this and the lot they have to say will be twisting this into a liberal attitude of today. The men who know the truth are not going to have a lot to say about this because what we have here written, what do we say? Enough said. This is just the way it is. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. With shamefacedness. I ain't going in there looking like I'm ashamed. <laughs> shamefacedness. That ain't nice to say. And sobriety. Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becomes a woman or which becomes women professing godliness with good works. Well, let's talk about that. Women are to adorn themselves. You are to adorn yourself. Women. Mm -hmm. 
But it's not that your adornment is with braided hair and, and gold and pearls and all these things. Uh, that's a type of adornment. But another type of adornment is what we read here to be women adorn themselves which becomes that which professes godliness with good works. Think about this. Women are to dress themselves appropriately, appropriately not to bring attention to themselves. Women are to be shamefacedness, which is to carry a look of reverence. I don't have to tell you, you know that the eyes are powerful. We speak with our eyes. We know that. We remember what it was like. Might have been 150 years ago, but we were single at some point. And we know that with the eyes, we communicate. Let me tell you something. You can put 10,000 people in an arena and two homosexuals in there, just two out of 10,000 people, and with the eyes, they're going to find each other. The Bible even says God guides us with his eyes. That's because with the eyes we see what other people are seeing. Think about that. You, somebody that's lusting after the flesh after you, they got a certain look with them eyes. And you can see it. Boy, you run from it. Especially if you got a wife or Oh! We got to get out of here. You can see it. There's a look you carry if you're after something. And when women come into the church, they carry a look of, of humility. They carry a look of reverence. They don't come in. and you know, it's, it's like women who go to church with low-cut blouses like we didn't already know they were a woman. We, we don't need to see all that. That is not adorning yourself properly. You need to cover up. Now some women just to show that they're mad about what I'm saying. They'll come in, they'll just be all covered up, head and all. I'll show them I'll cover up. <laughs> well, that's pride. You're not to come into the house of God with a look about you, ladies, dear sisters, that is anything the world would use that would be after something other than more of the Lord. Nothing. Not the look on your face, not the not the, the clothes you wear, not, not anything. You are to come in. The Bible here, God says, oh, there are people, oh, that's just Paul. No, this is God's word. Never leave that. But it says they are to adorn themselves in modest apparel. That means what you wear. Modest. With shamefacedness and, 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 and sobriety, sobriety means uh, to be of a sober mind and in self-control. Self-control, not controlled by other people. You know, uh, women who wear certain uh, outfits, they're really being controlled by what others, they think others want to look at. That's not self-control. I want to wear this way down here because... Uh, uh, they're being controlled by some lust. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't appreciate, I don't believe, you don't have to believe it, but it's true still. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to show parts of your body that only your husband, if you don't have one, nobody should see, but right. you in the shower, in the mirror, in the bathroom, then there's, a, there's something lusty, lusty, lustful mm -hmm. going on there. Mm -hmm. 
well, you don't agree with it. I see. Well, that's because you're this liberal spirit, this mm -hmm. worldly spirit has done something to you. Women are to have a look of sobriety, which is to be of a sober mind and self-control. And it isn't that women shouldn't ever wear these things. Remember, God, now you have to balance all of Scripture out. This is Scripture, but God looks on the heart. Mm -hmm. He's given us His Word here so that our hearts can be molded after Him and that we can obey what's being said here to us. Amen. So it is a matter of the heart. God only looks on the heart. And when he sees you wearing things that are not proper, it's more than a clothes thing to God. It's more than a braid and a, and a gold and a pearl. It's a heart issue. That's right. It's always a heart issue. Mm -hmm. So he says here, but that which becomes, uh, but which becomes women professing godliness with good works. Notice the focus here. Women should be known for their godliness and their good works. And here's an example. I, I just made this up, and, and I hope it helps us today. But you take a woman who's adorned in the things mentioned here, but pearl, gold, braids, whatever, who does not profess godliness with good works in her life, that woman is known only for her decorated self. That's what she's known for. Oh, do you ever see the way the clothes she wears? Oh, the, it, it. But you can take another woman who's got the same stuff on. The braids, the gold, the pearls. But with her life, she's professing godliness. Mm -hmm. She's professing this which is good works through her life. That's what she, she's not known for that pearl necklace she's got on. She's not known because she's got a braid in her hair. I don't believe for a minute God's talking about there's anything wrong with a braid and gold and pearls. I think that he's talking about something that you're trying to be known for, yourself known, yourself seen. Mm -hmm. You see, it kind of it's kind of like the tattoo situation. There's only one reason. I don't care who disagrees. There's only one reason for tattoos. And here it is. Three words. Look at me, look at me, look at me. It draws attention to yourself. Any attention that's drawn to us that's not because a reflection of Christ is due to pride. It got so quiet in here, I hear the trains. <laughs> Any attention drawn to myself that's not due to a reflection of Christ is due to pride. So I can decorate myself and a thousand dollar shoes. Lord, I got forty dollar shoes. I can go to uh, buy a big two thousand, five thousand dollar suit and be known. Boy, that suit he wears. Boy, that's something. And he sharp scattered. Or I can be known. <clears throat> if I did have a five thousand dollar suit, I would never tell it. I might be too scared to wear it, and I sure won't have been the one that bought it. <laughs> Because I don't want to be known for the clothes I wear. I don't want to be known for the vehicle I drive, the house. I, I want to be known as a reflection of Christ. And, and I believe that's the heart of what's going on here about these women. You are beautiful women. I, I, I'm telling you, you're, God created you beautiful to look at. 
But he, he's looking for the beauty that comes from your knowing Him. And that's the beauty that should be shown wherever you go. And then he gets into a little more controversial. Let the, let the women learn in silence. And the women to learn in silence simply means that the women are not to interrupt or to disturb, but to be still, peaceable, and quiet, and learn from the one the Bible says they should be subject to, their husbands or the minister in the church. Learning, sitting quiet. You have questions later on. This is the way it is written. I know, oh, that ain't today. No, that ain't the way it is today. That don't mean it's not the way it should be today. Right. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, fellas. You guys who are looking for a wife, man, you, you, you better just be friends with that girl first. And you better go to her house a few times, quite a few times and watch her mama. Because that's about who you're about to marry. Because she is her mama's daughter. That don't mean everybody's just like their mama or everybody's just like their daddy. But you better you better go over and take a look. Mm-hmm. You, I will tell you something. A good woman, a godly woman, a good wife, a godly wife is going to function according to this right here. I, you know what? I don't know what would happen if in the middle of a service I was listening to somebody and my wife stood up and said, I don't know about all that. <clears throat> but you got today, you got today women who, who while their husbands are uh, just sitting in the background, man, they're out there just throwing off, they're out of order. They're out of order. They're just out there, just taking over, taking charge. Well, he's not as spiritual. He doesn't have the knowledge I have. Why don't he? Because I'm going to tell you, you either in order or out of order. And I'm not talking about women ought to just shut up and never talk. And I don't think that's what Paul meant here. I don't think that's God's intention. I think his main intention is order, stillness, and quiet, respect, subjection. Again, the subordination to the order. Not that women shut up and you ain't no you're you're less of a that ain't no that that's not true. But what he's talking about here is is not disturbing, not interrupting, not 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 thinking that well I, I'm equal with you and I and I can say what I want when I want. No, you can't. That's not biblical. You get out of the house of God. You take it to the house, even in the old covenant where the temple, the tabernacle was, and all that outside of the tabernacle. Families went home and they dealt with family issues in there. And then when they gathered, they listened to the one called to bring forth the teaching. Now, if you, if you think you're in a place where the preacher don't know what you know, well, it may, I don't know about all that, but I know what the Bible says that we, lady, our sisters need to be in silence here come, with all subjection, and that word means submission. And I know many, mm -hmm. many men who are in subjection and submission to their wives. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something, fellas. For the wrong reasons. You need to stick with the word. No matter what you are getting. Or not getting out of the marriage. You need to get what God's got for you. Through faith in the word. Amen brother Curtis. Amen. Yeah. Let the woman. Women. Woman. 
Learn in silence. Learn now. See, learn. No, I can't learn. No, this is the avenue he wants you to learn in. Not throwing up and, and trying to put your two cents in every time. We do care about what women think. We're not the, that kind of people that put the women in another building out there. They, I, I, not that's ridiculous. You see, and that's the way people are. Though you have to say that things, things like that, because it's like the person you can thump on the arm and they'll do three flip backwards and say you just knock fire out of them. You know what those people like that? You, 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 you're up here trying to help people, and, and, and when it's over, they'll they'll go out there and say, "Oh, he just thinks we ought to shut up and never be heard from." And, oh, that's not true. <laughs> Women have always been heard from when you read the New Testament. We're talking about we're talking about we're talking about order. We're talking about authority here, and there is order and authority, and there is power in that authority and order. And outside of that, there's danger and trouble. You don't have to agree with me. We can still love each other, but, but, but I'm telling you, I'm just a Bible teacher. He says, I suffer. I allow not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. I allow not a woman to teach. Listen, if there, what if there's no men around? Well, then go ahead and knock yourself out. Because I'm going to tell you this, you've got, you got to think about this on a balanced level here. You can't just uh, think about one. What if there's no men in a town? Well, I don't know how they got there. but What if there's no men in, 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 a, in a community, in, in, a, in a, a get-together? What if there's no men? Big Bible study, no men come, just women. Are women to sit there and just be quiet? No. Or, or, or is nobody to stand up and prophesy, declare the testimony of Jesus? Is nobody just to do that? No, somebody. I mean, it's not God's will we just sit there and look at each other. The ladies just sit there and look at each other. Is it wrong to have a ladies' meeting where women speak and minister to each other? No. Because if that were the case, if a bunch of women got together... And nobody spoke, nobody gave the truth of Jesus, then somebody that came that was lost, how could they be saved? Right. See, I mean, common sense goes along with this, but this is not just a cultural issue. This is still true for today, and I don't say it with a hammer as hard as I've heard other preachers say it, but I'm saying I believe what's written here. Paul said, I suffer not a woman to teach. Well, why would he say that? Because he was there. Mm -hmm. I, su I don't allow women to teach. Why? Because I'm here. What if he wasn't there? Nor to usurp authority. See, I don't believe there's a problem with a woman even getting up and declaring the word of God. I don't, but, but now I'm wondering if people don't think a woman ought to pastor a church because that person is in authority. And if you got men in a church, you're in authority over them. So that's out of order. I, I don't care who agrees, who disagrees. Don't email me. I'll just delete it. That's a, the pastor is a place of authority. And that's usurping. And, and that's why, that's why when women are actually the head, 
of anything, all that's going to turn into is a woman, a, a woman's ministry. Because whoever's pastor is the authority over men. The men in that congregation. Now I know that hurts a lot of feelings, but well, there ain't no men who will come. We'll find you a church then. But, but again, if there ain't nobody preaching the truth and you getting together, there ain't nothing wrong with you sharing the word. Amen? Amen. And he gives the reason why. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Now see, see what he's talking about? Order. He's talking about order. He's not talking about somebody being better than somebody, not somebody else being less than somebody. He's talking about order here. There's, there's unity in order. And Adam was not deceived. Now here, ladies don't get mad. Watch. Adam wasn't the one deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. That means she, she's born again through giving child birth to a child notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with sobriety that means they're not going to fall prey in faith and love and holiness that they fell prey to in the garden that's what this means Notwithstanding, she shall be saved. She shall be delivered in childbearing, in giving birth, in raising a family if they continue in what? Faith and love and holiness with sobriety, with soundness of mind and self-control. That means they're not... A woman doesn't have to fall prey to what he fell prey to if she will live in faith and love and holiness with soundness of mind and self-control. That means according to the scriptures. According to what God has said. Eve, I know we're out of time, a little bit over, but I'm, I'm trying to get through this because I don't want to hit it again. <laughs> Eve was deceived because she was the weaker of the two. And Paul is referring to that weaker of the two. The order here. He will bless that which he can put in order. And that which rejects his order cannot have the blessing that this order brings. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, that's all I'm going. We'll take off in chapter 3 next Friday morning. I love you, even those that got mad at me for saying some things that is in the Bible where you're not really mad at me, you're mad at God. And uh, so we still love you anyway. Don't forget the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, and you can text your giving to the ministry by texting 903-231-5950. God bless you. We do love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'll see you then.